I want to minister to somebody here tonight. I purposefully, I, I'm not, you know what, uh, sometimes these things hit you, and like I said, the spirit of witchcraft, but you know what? He's going to have to hear me preach tonight. A word that's going to really, I really feel in the Holy Ghost tonight, it's going to be a deafening blow to him. And number two, it's going to be a ministering word to somebody in this house tonight that you've been wondering, where is God in your situation? God's going to give you an answer here tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. If you got your Bibles, Mark <clears throat> chapter 1. Uh, I didn't forget about the book of James. We're going to get back to old James. I don't want to let our kids down to know. You know I, I got to somehow fit in somewhere in there that there's another book in the Bible. And if I stay on James, they're not going to know anything by the time they get to 18. So I got to slip these other books in there. That way they know. Mark chapter 1 verse 12 Immediately, Will, I'm so glad to see you in the house of the Lord. That's an old high school friend, and uh, I'm just so glad. Actually, we're kin uh, down the road, but uh, I'm just so glad to see you in the house of the Lord. So glad. Verse 12, and immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. And was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Verse 13, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, comma, everybody say comma, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast. Mark's the only one that gives us this account like this, and uh, I think there's a specific purpose for it. Uh, several days ago, uh, actually later, last week, uh, he began to deal with me on this, this subject. And uh, I began studying and reading about this in Mark. And the, 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 the difference in Mark is the beast. The difference is the Mark. I want to talk to you tonight, overcoming the beast. Overcoming the beast. Now you'd immediately think that this is some uh, end time study on the mark of the beast. That's not where I'm going tonight. I want to talk to you about the beast that's in the wilderness. If you would, lift your hands one more time and let's just talk to God. Jesus, help us tonight, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost begin to move. God, let it manifest itself. I ask you in Jesus' name, let your word go forth with clarity. I bind every spirit of doubt and unbelief, lethargy and apathy, God, that would cause us to become comfortable and settle. But by the authority of the name of Jesus, arrest every human spirit. I bind every demonic spirit and let the word of God go forth with the liberty or clarity of, of victory, God, through your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Loose the angels in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Matthew... Mark, Luke, give us a, a pretty good account of the story preceding Jesus getting into the wilderness and the, the battle there. And in, in their account of their, I guess you could say, position on what Jesus told them, and what they saw was, was very unique. If you parallel all three of them, you'll see that there are some unique uh, differences, but mainly in Mark, you're going to see this difference talking about the beast. You know, Jesus, 
Uh, there's so many parallels in how God brought him to the forefront for everyone to see. They had been waiting on the Messiah. All the Jews waiting on Jesus to show up and the Messiah that was going to deliver them from Roman tyranny and the dictatorship of Rome and the, the, the impurities and immoralities and the debauchery that the Roman people uh, lived in. Rome was in essence a cesspool of immorality and, and gross bestiality. and it, it just was endless with the perversions of Rome. And the people began to cry out for the Messiah. And on the day that he shows up, they didn't even recognize who he was. It took a John that was standing on the muddy banks of a Jordan River that preceded and in John's prophecy was there's coming one after me that prepare ye the way of the Lord and he's speaking of a of a messianic, a messianic prophecy that the Lord is coming he was speaking to the Jews and everyone that stood on that bank that there's fixing to come somebody that's going to put all this back together what you've been waiting for. Let me let me just interject right now for somebody. Don't give up giving. Don't give up just yet on the promises that God told you he's going to do. Just because you and I haven't seen it or you don't feel a goosebump today or you don't feel really on your game in prayer. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten about you or forgotten about a promise or forgotten about saving that one you're asking him for. There's coming a day of visitation like the church has never seen before. And it's to those that have held on in the end. Jesus shows up on the muddy banks of Jordan and John stands with the declaration. Here he is, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He declares to them, this is he that you've been waiting for. And the, what baffles me, Brother Roger, is that in that moment and where many kind of get mixed up in their understanding, the Bible clearly says that it was declared unto him, John. John's the one that heard the heavenly declaration from the heavenlies, not denoting a third person in a trinity, but denoting the God of Israel has now taken up residence in that body. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It's the first declaration of sonship trying to tell the people, I'm no longer in a tabernacle of badger skin. I'm no longer a glory cloud that you would follow. But now I'm taking up residence as the I am that I am. The one that began in the beginning and the one that's going to finish in the end. I am in this tabernacle. He was declaring to everyone, this is he, John. This is the manifestation of the glory of God in flesh. And from there, the baptism of Jesus takes place and people still walk away not knowing what took place. How erroneous it is to see such a presence and a visible manifestation but yet not to perceive that God has now shown up 
to do the work. You see, what you and I can't see is there's a battle before they ever got to the baptismal. There's a battle in the heavenlies over good and evil. And there's a battle in the heavenly saying and warring against your mind and my mind that we don't perceive the appointed time that's upon us. The enemy will do everything in his power to blind you and I, distract our minds and cause us to stay off a track for what God wants to do. He works, I hate to say his best work, I don't want to give him a compliment, but he is working his best work in this 11th hour of the church. Distractions at an all-time high. Sickness at an all-time high. We got disease coming out now, Brother Mike. We don't even know the name of it. And there's going to be more coming. Distractions and sickness and conflict and problems left and right. But you see, what we can't understand is there was a man that he sent to lead us out. The struggle now is trying to even comprehend that, that he's here to help us in the midst of it all. The battle that you and I face is trying to even comprehend that God is right here, right now. And he's going to lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. He's going to lead me through my trouble. He's going to lead me through this battle. baptism you would think would have been a parade you would have think brother Joe every religious individual that had been studying the word would have been there and said hey this is him the one that's going to lead us out the one that's going to bring and fix what Adam messed up but you see they missed that moment and the Bible says this about Jesus. You've got multiple characters, multiple pages and chapters and stories that are being told in all of this. You've got the people's vision and view of what's taking place and trying to perceive that the Messiah is here. And then you've got God preparing him as an example for you and I. That what he did and what he went through, I had to go through the same thing. The same struggles and battles that he faced in the flesh. I faced the same battles and struggles in the flesh. And the Bible says in Mark, the spirit driveth him. Matthew says it led him. Luke says it led him. But Mark gives us a little bit more edge. It said the spirit drove him to the wilderness. We want the times that we can be led and it's so easy then. I love being led. I, 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 I like it when you say, hey, God comes and says, come on, I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to lead you through this and everything's going to be okay. But then there's other times, Brother Mark and tell that God comes down to you and I and he grabs us by the nap of the neck and he drives you into a wilderness. These are concepts of God that if we're not careful, we want to get mad at God and say, God, you're just unfair. I thought you were all a gentleman and you're all about love and you're all about being soft and kind. And yes, he is. But there's another element of his spirit that drives you. It causes 
cause you and I not to be able to sit comfortably in one place for too long. But something inside of you, you feel it beginning to drive. That's the spirit of God trying to drive you and I into a place that he can give us a better revelation of what he is and what his purpose is for us. Jesus, go easy on me. But you see, this is the deal. It's the timing. When God comes to a time, and this is where he was, this was his debut. This was what everything had been waiting for. This is where every story in the Old Testament had now been compounding and compounding. And the sins had been rolled forward just one year. And those sins had been accumulating and accumulating. It's like a dam that's about to burst. And the timing was dictating that this is my moment now. And when God has determined this is your hour, this is your moment, God's not going to come with a leading spirit. He's going to come with a driving spirit because he knows time is of the hour. Oh, my God, help me tonight. I told you. I want us to be a preaching church. The Bible says in Hebrews that they wandered in that wilderness because they did not mix their faith with the word of God, Brother Darrell. Let me teach us something here. And this is imperative. I want to bring men of God with great anointings to this pulpit. But I cannot bring them in here if we're not going to respond to their preaching. I'm going to say that one more time. You think I'm being ugly. I'm going to say it again. We've got to learn to respond and not sit there. Well, you say, well, I'm listening. Buy the CD. I need you to respond by clapping your hands, lifting your hands, or letting that preacher know you believe what he's saying. Or we ain't never going to have a preacher come back. They didn't mix their faith. What it means is they didn't echo back. If we don't open our mouth, Brother Larry, and mix with our mouth the word of God, we wander in the wilderness and we never come to the land of promise. I'm going to say it again. Please, church family, open your mouth. Open your mouth and declare, I believe that. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Say, I believe that. Amen in Jesus' name. giving you a little pastoral teaching I've been on the evangelistic field I'm not going back to that church I've said it I can't, I can't I'm not going to kill myself for somebody that ain't going to respond that don't want this as bad as I want it God's going to bring us great men of God that are going to preach powerful words of God to us. I want us to learn that if I mix my faith with it, something great in the spirit's going to... You say, what does that got to do with this? God is driving us right now. He's not leading us. And you and I need to understand it's a driving moment because there's some beasts in the wilderness that some of you are facing now and you're going to face in your tomorrows. But if we let the spirit drive us, there's an angelic host that's coming to help the church of God See the victories we desire. God's counting on us. But see, I don't want to be driven. I don't want that thing to press me in the spirit. Because it pushes me beyond what I'm comfortable. It pushes me beyond what I'm satisfied for. 
See, but here's the thing I've got to remember, and I'm staying on it. The hour is now. The hour is now. And if I don't take advantage of my hour, the beasts that I'm going to face in the wilderness are going to eat me up and tear me apart. And you wonder why people backslide. I'm telling you why right here. There's beasts that come into that wilderness that we don't ever hear preach about. But there's things in the wilderness and the valley that you and I don't face in a normal day-to-day life. But when you're going through a struggle and you're going through a battle and you're going through stuff you don't understand, you're identifying with Jesus in the wilderness. Just remember there's beasts there just as much as the devil's there. But God will give you strength to come out because of his timing. The Bible says that he was driven and here's what happened, Brother Joe. He gets in the wilderness. Says that he was fasting 40 days, Brother Charlie. 40 days he fasted. And afterward, the devil came and tempted him. Here's what I'm, I want to say this. Are you serious, God? Come on, somebody. I just fasted 40 days. You would think I'd get a free out-of-jail card. I said, Patty, you're not with me. You're with me. You think I'd get a free card? I just fasted 40 days. I should have done. I come out of a 40-day fast, and the devil shows up. I'm thinking... Come on, God. Are you kidding me? You couldn't have just tied him up at home on a chain and given me a break? I'm so hungry right now. A rock with salt looks kind of good. Forty days I haven't eaten. See, because when God is trying to position somebody, position a congregation, Position individuals. The enemy ain't going to give up no matter how much you fast. I hope this ain't negative for some of you. I'm really trying to be positive. I'm trying to get you and I to realize that you got purpose that's greater than just me and you being here in Indian Village. There's an anointing on this church. There, that there's an anointing on individuals here. God's bringing people to the house of God. We don't even know the name of it. God's bringing backsliders home. God's bringing kids home. God's doing a work that's greater than our mouth. Why? Because we're going to overcome some beasts. There's some beasts in the wilderness that I never thought I'd have to fight. But I'm fighting them today. I need to take everything I can that helps me overcome. Use it to overcome. If it's lifting my hand, if it's praising, if it's rolling, if it's shouting, if it's saying amen when I don't feel like opening my mouth. Because there's a beast you and I are going, we ain't just fighting hunger. We ain't just fighting the devil. We ain't just fighting man's opposition to our ministry. There's beasts in the wilderness that you don't ever hear nobody talk about. You're going to face stuff that you can't even describe. When you and I start moving into realms that God, we're already moving there. 
got some of you calling me about things you're feeling and dreams and things you're experiencing, things you saw. Beast. I'll never forget it. I was in my, my bed sleeping. Me and her, this was back newly married. We were in red hot revival. Red hot revival. Things, all kind of crazy stuff happening in the church. It was like what you would say, that's old time apostolic church. That's what we were having. And I look over to my right as I'm laying in the bed. And there looked around that door. I didn't know what it was then. It's a minotaur, but I didn't know what it was. And he's looking at me at my door. Half bull, half man. I didn't get that from Disney. And I looked at him. And he looked at me. And the more I looked back at him, the more inquisitive he got looking at me. After it's over, I told Brother Mark, I said, what in the world visited me? Now, he gave me the definition. That's what it is. But my point to telling you tonight, it was a beast that I'd never seen before. It was something coming out of nowhere in a shape that I had never imagined it would come. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost right now, you're fighting stuff and you don't know what you're fighting. It's like a shadow boxing. You're hitting at something, but you know it's there, but you don't know what in the world you're hitting at. I'm telling you, it's the beast of the wilderness. But in the end time, there's going to be an overcoming church that realizes I can beat whatever I find in the wilderness. It doesn't matter how much of a beast it is. My God is greater. The name of Jesus is greater. The blood of Jesus is greater. That story I told of that, that story I told the other night when they were visitor yesterday, Sunday morning. Remember, does anybody remember Sunday morning that story about that woman? She was in rebellion. She was in rebellion, Brother Roger. That story. And she went to the man of God and said, I don't think it's wrong. And I never told him my Sunday morning because we had visitors here. We're well, home folk tonight. Here's what she was saying. It ain't wrong to trim my hair. Oh. I'm telling you, God's given me so many messages to preach. I ain't got enough days in the week to preach what I feel. I'm hitting against some beast in the spirit that says it don't matter. Said it don't matter how you act. It don't matter how. Get as close to the line of the world as you can. As close as you can. Get close where people. Can't say it's really. Here's, here's the hour we live in. I can't really say it's wrong. We get just close enough to things and we do things, Sister Becky, that I can't literally come down and say, and this was, tell me I'm going to hell for that. I can't. But you got just close enough to something that I can't clearly maybe come down and say, hair is a different issue. That is clear. She came to this her argument. She said, there's nothing wrong. What's the difference between me cutting it and me trimming it? That's what she said. I'm just trimming. My mother's a beautician and she says it's healthy to trim the dead ends. Ooh, I felt it right over here. And I felt it here. And it came from here. It don't hurt. Let me, let me, let me define this. If I took a piece of paper... And I took some scissors. I wish I had it. I'd love to have an illustration right now. I take a piece of paper. Get some paper. Get some scissors. Hey, I know what? Give, give, me, the, give me a piece of paper. We, 
we're going to have fun tonight. I ain't preached Sunday night, so y'all have to get two tonight. Just rip me a sheet of paper. I don't care what you said. It's a piece of scissors. don't matter. That's good. Just rip. That's what I'm fixing to do anyway. Yeah, I ain't going to cut my hair. I ain't got enough to cut. Let Dale come up here. Hold this for me. She said it's not wrong to just trim the edge. The length's still there. Now, in my definition, cut is cut. Trim and cut's the same. Whether I do or I do. Cut's cut. Look, did I just cut it? It's cut. She said, it don't matter how you do it. Now, I'm not going to get into hair tonight. I'm going to just touch it. But I want to pay a special note that when you study this out and the occult and all this stuff, witches don't cut their hair. Because they know the spiritual demonic world moves by a woman's uncut hair. And where there's uncut hair, the angels reside. Where there's cut hair, demonic influences come in and out. I can prove it to you in Scripture. Pack your bags, baby. On to the next time. This is truth. This is the word of God. Paul said it very clearly. For it's a shame for a woman to have cut hair. Long. It's her for her to have long hair. That word long means uncut. He said for it's a shame for her. For it not to be long and uncut. Shame is the byproduct of sin. The beast. The beast of the wilderness says, let's just get as close as we can to the line. Because if I can get just close enough where no one can really tell me that's right or wrong. Whatever happened to us just living for God because God's good. And if God says stand on your head, I'm going to stand on my head. That doesn't make me a cult. That just makes me crazy and wanting to please Him at whatever the cost. And now here's Jesus. In his triumphant moment, should have had a parade. But instead, he's driven to the wilderness and Lucifer comes to him. Forty days of fasting. What was the fast for? His flesh. His fast wasn't for the devil. His fast was to get a hold of his flesh that when the devil came, The fast was to prepare his mind and heart that when the enemy came, now this is the part, you would think God would cut him some slack, but it tells me how much confidence God has in humanity. That if you and I go through a wilderness of life that we don't understand and we pray and fast and do the best that we can and the enemy still keeps come bombarding us, don't lose hope then. Turn it and say, God's got confidence in me. God trusts me and God wants to help me. He fasted for his flesh, Sister Dean. But then when the devil came and tempted him, what happened? The devil came and said, Turn them stones into bread. 
And what did Jesus say? For it is written. Here's what he did. God was shown. Let me speak to it like this, please. I think we all understand the oneness. I'm speaking of his humanity. He was trying to give you and I an example that his flesh had to be dealt with first. But when the enemy came the next time and said, go ahead, I'm going to, I need you to turn them stones into bread. What did Jesus use? He didn't start talking in tongues. He didn't pull out his fast and say, I just fasted 40 days. He took out the word of God and said, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I'm trying to tell somebody tonight, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You're more than an overcomer through the name of the Lord. He used the word. Satan takes him to a high pinnacle and the city says, go ahead, cast yourself down. For it is written, the, the angels will give charge over you. That's what he told him. But now watch. Psalms 91 says it like this. For there is no evil that shall befall thee, neither plague. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou doubt, dash thyself a foot against a stone. That shall tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the giant. Find that for me, Brother Ron, Psalms 91 and 10. Here's what Jesus was, was already knowing what was taking place. He was reaching back in Psalms. Go to the next verse. He was reaching back to Psalms. Because the temptation was coming. And the enemy says, go ahead. Cast yourself down. It's, the word says, what do you and I do when the enemy uses the word back on us? We used it the first time, but now he's using it back. Here's why it's imperative that you and I learn the word of God backwards and forwards and understand it. Because Jesus later says, when they couldn't cast the devil out of somebody, when they couldn't tear a stronghold down, he said this can only come by about by prayer and fasting, by the word of God and denying yourself. When you get an individual that says, I'm not living unto myself, but I'm living unto God, the beast isn't a match. Fear isn't a match. Depression isn't a match. Worry isn't a match because I conquered it in a wilderness through the word of God. Jesus he echoes back. For it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But what was Psalm saying? He was quoting, for thou shalt give angels charge over to keep me in all the ways. Next verse. Thou shalt bear in thy hands, lest thy day shall be stoned. He's going to take care of me. Next verse. Here it is. Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder, the... Do you know what that scripture is referring to? The wilderness. Those were beasts of the wilderness. The adder, the young lion, and the dragon was in the wilderness. What he's trying to say is is this. You're going to fight temptation. You're going to fight battles in your flesh. But you're going to fight something greater that you never even saw. It's going to be the beast of the wilderness. But even in all of that, Jesus was my example. And if he conquered hell, you and I can conquer any beast that we face in the wilderness. Whether it's death and fear. Battle, the battle, the struggle, the war. <laughs> Jesus tempted. And when he was tempted, he said, You ain't gonna tempt me because I know who I am. See, the enemy wants you and I to abuse the authority while we're in the wilderness. Because when then it don't work like we know it should, we get frustrated. 
And right now we're living in a frustrated hour as the church. People's prayers are frustrated. Our living for God is frustrated. We're frustrated with our kids. We're frustrated with society. We're frustrated with people not living for God when we know they should live for God. And in the moment, God wants us to use our authority and take out our frustration and use authority. But really what God's trying to show you and I is this. If I hang on to the word of God, Brother Joe, and I fall in love with the word of God with everything I have, it doesn't matter if I'm in the valley. It doesn't matter if I'm on the mountaintop. It doesn't matter if I look at Satan eyeball to eyeball, face to face, or I look at the greatest witch doctor, I look at the greatest warlock, I look at the greatest witch. It doesn't really matter because the word of God is alive in my heart and in my mind and I'm more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus and the word of God that flows through me. He said, you ain't going to tempt me. Uh-uh. And then the next week he took him to a high mountain. He said, fall down and worship me. I ain't got time. I won't go into all the three temptations. Pride. It was the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. All three of them. Jesus got tempted just like Adam did. And Adam lost, but Jesus won. And if Jesus won, you say, well, I'm not God. No, you and I ain't. Here's what we got that he didn't have. Mercy. He was mercy. You and I get mercy. When I can't do what I need to do. When I can't live like I need to live. When my prayer is at its bottom. When I'm walking through a valley and I need an answer from God. Mercy comes in and picks me up. Because Jesus understands what it's like to walk through a valley that you don't understand. And face a beast that you can't call by name. It's just a heaviness on your chest. But Jesus fixed. Was the victor for you and I? He was the victor, and he said, "Worship me." See, Jesus conquered all of them. He conquered all three: pride of life, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. That was the wilderness temptation with him and Lucifer. But now find me Mark, chapter 1, verse 12. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's what I wanted right there. And he was there. See, Mark does it like this. Matthew and Luke and even John, they kind of touch on it all. They'll give us a detail. But all Mark says was is, he's in the wilderness 40 days. He's tempted of Satan. And he throws in something the others don't say nothing about. The beast. Here was the beast. I already said it in Psalms 91. The Adam, the lion, the bear. But here was another one that many times is not accounted for. Isaiah says it like this. Isaiah says, in the desert, in the wilderness, but the wild beast of the desert shall lie there and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, the owl which shall dwell there and satires shall dance there. Now, I'm almost done, but you got to hear this part or you'll miss the whole message. Anybody ever heard of a satire? It's not a trick question. I hadn't until I found it in the Word of God. What's a satire? It's a beast that you can't explain. 
in the wilderness with satires. You go read Leviticus. Jesus, the, the God told him when they built the tabernacle, Brother Darrell, I'm not going to go into great detail, but just let me touch it. When they built the tabernacle, he told him this. He said, because you're living in a pagan world, he said, you cannot take your animals and go sacrifice them in a field. Because if you do, you're going to attract what they call satires. It's field devils is what it means. It's half goat, half man. It's demonic. It was a demon called a satire. Field devils was the original translation of it, Brother Charlie. And God says, don't go do that because you're going to attract the spirit world satires. That's going to come. So God had specifically told him back in Leviticus, don't sacrifice out in the field to the field devils because if you sacrifice and do these things and don't, here's what he was trying to say, do everything in order. Because if you don't do things in order, if you don't keep your house in order, if you don't keep your family in order, if we don't keep the church in order, we're going to attract satires. You show me a church that's chaotic. You show me a home that's out of order. The daddy don't know. The mama don't know. The kids are just running crazy. I'll show you every demonic. Because things are out of order. God was very specific about have order. Because if you do this out in the field, it's going to attract these things to you. Now, here's the kicker on the whole thing. This is where Jesus is. Why? Because God wanted to show you and I. It don't matter if it's Lucifer himself or it's a satire that you can't even explain. There was no name for it. That ain't its name. That's a description. Field devil. That ain't even his name. You don't even know the name of some of the things you face. I I see it sometimes so many times in people and and, and families and situations and communities and cities. They walk around in a daze. You know what it is? They're fighting beasts. They don't even know what they're fighting. They're fighting things in the spirit. They don't even know why they're the way they are. They don't know why things are happening the way they're happening. But you see, even that, God covered his bases for all of us to let us know. I gave you many things that you can do to make sure that you don't have to. When you face a satire or you face a beast of the field, you don't have to run. That's why you don't have to run from fear. You don't have to run from worry. You don't have to worry from these things of trying. How's this all going to work out? It's almost like it's levels. We went through the wilderness. We fasted 40 days. We faced Lucifer face to face. You think I'm done. You think I got a star now. I'm still here. Some of you looking, you need to look back over your shoulder and realize I'm still here. I should have lost my mind a long time ago. Folks, we're trying to figure out the beast for the mind. And we don't know what's attacking the mind. We don't know how to explain it. We're trying to figure out what's the antidote. What's the answer? What's this? What's that? I'm telling you what it is. It's the beast of the wilderness that's at the end. We're at the end of this thing. Notice, he's in the wilderness. He's starving. He's fasting. He faces Lucifer. And now he faces a beast. Or a beast. And then the angels minister. And here's what I felt so strong in the Holy Ghost. We have hit this. We have done this. And levels. 
wilderness, fasting. We've hit this stronghold. We hit that. And we're fighting beasts now, the last dimension. The church is fighting this. It's not just us. It's across the board. I talk to people all over the place. They're fighting the same thing. Fighting the same things. It's, it's like I'm, I'm hitting something. I don't even know what I'm hitting. I know it. We can, it's addiction. Yeah. Perversion. Yeah. But there's, there's some of that stuff that we don't even understand. And I'm walking through valleys. And I'm being tested in my wealth, my health, my family, our church. We're like Job. We're getting, it's a beast. Job fought a beast that he could not understand. You don't think Job scratched his head saying, God, I've been faithful. Why would you let this happen to me when I've been so faithful? Not like anybody else. Why is it us that have gone through so much when we've been so faithful? You know what it is? God trusts us enough that we are at the end. And the beast that we're looking at, that we don't know the name of that thing, here's the answer. And the angels came. Now see, y'all don't know what me and Brother Butch talked about. He didn't know what I said. But Sunday night, I saw right here an angel of the Lord walk right down here and he went right out the corner of that building and he went in that direction. I had no idea that direction. But you begin to tell me what's in that direction. Strongholds. You see, you know what God was trying to show us? Show me and then later showed you, Brother Butch, is this. We're in the last round of this thing. And we're fighting beasts. There's people under the sound of my voice. You're fighting in your family. You're fighting in your home. You're fighting in your health. You're fighting in your wealth. You're fighting in all these different areas of life. And you're looking at it going, God, I've been faithful. God, I just went through a wilderness and I passed it. I just fought Satan and I passed it. And now I'm fighting something I don't understand. You and I need to be encouraged. Because the angels of the Lord are on the way to minister to you and I. They're not just sent for you and I to write a book about angels. They're here to help you and I and encamp themselves around those that fear the Lord. Stand with me. Resisting your time. He said they're here to minister. To minister. Now it's Wednesday night I'm not asking you to shout. But I know what I feel in this building is here. That whoever it is that you are just wore out from fighting things in your mind, your family. I wish some of us would just let our pride, our ego, let everything go. And just for a moment, just say, God, I'm fighting something I ain't never fought before. I ain't never fought it. I've never seen it like this before. I've never seen a trial like this. I've never seen a battle like this. I mean, who, who would be honest and say, I ain't never been to church like this? Come on, Brother Ron. I ain't never been to church like this. Man, this is some weird. Ben Wall, you are nutted in a fruitcake. You brought all this up in here. No. No, it was already here. And Brother Bushnell has fought this and fought this and gained ground. And now God says, I'm ready to bring this thing home and bring a great revival in. I, I told her, I told her last night, 
This is in all honesty. Night before last, Monday, I sat there in my chair and I just kind of slumped down. I said, I wish I could pastor. She looked at me kind of funny. I said, I, I haven't yet pastored yet. She said, I've, I've done it. I've talked to spiritually guided, but I haven't pastored yet. I said, I've been in the mode of an evangelist and the prophetic. Who would be honest and say, say Melissa, she's shaking her head with me. She knows what I'm talking about. You see it. This is where the drive. And here's what I'm asking you. I'm going to be a pastor. I am a pastor. Okay, I'm operating in the office. But if you'll hang with me and just let me do what I feel the Holy Ghost is telling me to do. I promise you. You can ask her. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't play this half at home and half here. She just today had some people at the house, some ladies, and didn't come to this church. They weren't in church nowhere, just talking to them. And I'm up there in my office, and I didn't know what she later told me, but I'm up in their office, man. I'm, I'm having a throwdown, Brother Bush, now. I had a bad day today. I, I had a bad day. But I went to God in prayer this morning, and it serves a reason, because when you come out, the enemy's going to challenge what he told you. And I'm up there in my office and I'm stomping. I'm praising God. I'm praying. She had to go down there to them ladies and go, excuse me. He's not crazy. <laughs> Y'all think I'm playing? She did. She went and said, he's not crazy. She said, he's just very passionate about prayer. And I'm up there, Sister Michelle. I'm calling names of people is what I was doing. I was calling backsliding kids. I'm, I'm calling. I couldn't remember y'all's name. I just kept saying them four dudes. That's all I kept saying. I couldn't remember the names. I remember Noah because I'm all about the Bible. But I didn't know the rest of them. You know them. Huh? There you go. I got you. But I said, them four dudes, God rocked their world. And saved them. I said, God, every backslidden son. And I'm up in my office, Brother Larry. God, in the name of Jesus. God. See, I'm not just saying fervent effectual prayer to make you think I'm spiritual. I'm in that office fervently, fervently, fervently. Because I've done made up in my mind, Brother Larry. I am going to have revival. And I'm going to see backslidden sons and daughters come into the house of God. That many people have given up on. They're coming into the house of God. And they're going to be our missionaries. They're going to be our preachers. They're going to be our Bible study teachers. Hey, but that doesn't exclude me and you. Let's say we become Bible study teachers. We're fighting a beast in Indian village. What do you say we defeated? I prophetically say this. I go back to my thing. I, I, I'm a, just go with me, okay? I promise I'm going to be a good pastor one day. Right now, I'm digging. I'm digging. Because there's a deep, deep well I'm pulling for. It goes all the way back. Listen now. Savile. Austin. 
we're going to see that well spring. And when it springs up. Is there anybody other than me fighting some beasts in the wilderness thinking, my God, when's this ever going to end? Wednesday, I'm here to declare to you tonight, the angels of the Lord came to minister to him. And just as they came, those are going to come to you and they're going to strengthen you. And this is how we're going to overcome the beast of the wilderness. Is there anybody here tonight that you'd be willing to step out of that pew tonight and say, Brother Benoit, you know what? I, I don't understand what I'm fighting. I can't even describe it. I just know that every day I wake up, there's a battle here and a battle there. I'm going to fight this and I'm going to see a great victory like I've never seen before. Come on, God's counting on us. God's counting on every prayer warrior in this church. God's counting on every Sunday school teacher. God's counting on every individual that you and I have become the vessel in the encounter. something great that God is going to do. He is doing greater things shall ye do for the Holy Ghost has been given. Come on, lift your hands right now and declare tonight. Come on, be honest with him. Say, God, I'm fighting some beasts of the field. I'm fighting some beasts in my home, on my job, in my health. I'm fighting in my mind tonight. Come on, church family. We're in this together, and we're going to win it together. We may cry today, but there's coming a day we're going to shout together. 